turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. And uh, before we read that scripture, let me just say that our pastor's been taking us into this great study of our core biblical values. They guide us. They define our mission. They define who we are. They unite us. They motivate us in fulfilling our purpose and destiny as a church. And I want to share those core values with you, if I could, uh, following our text. And so uh, let's jump into Romans chapter 5 together. Romans 5, verse 20 and 21. The scripture says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Isn't that interesting? God's law was given, Romans 5 and 20, so that all people could see how sinful they were. In other words, I can't do it. I can't fulfill righteousness. I can't do the right thing. And we have to know what the right thing is. And that's what the law is. It just it shares with us, tells us the right and the wrong. Aren't you glad that we have the Bible for our compass, a moral compass for what's right and wrong? And there we learn what's right and, and we discover that we, that we sinned. But as people sinned more and more, watch this, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mighty God, I just want to thank you for your great grace. And today, as we examine your grace and look at it closer, would you pour out your anointing and spirit upon us? Would you cause us, oh God, not only to uh, share this word, but to hear this word and to receive it into our hearts so that we can apply it and make it work, oh God. Your word always works if we'll just receive it like seed into our heart. And so we pray, God, that your word works deeply within us, cause us to grow in grace. We give you the glory and the honor, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. 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 Well, let's look at our core values for a moment as a church. If you're new here at Calvary, you may not have heard about them, but just to share them with you quickly, we're, there are six of them that God put on the heart of our pastor, Pastor Robbie. The first is we're all about people. People matter to God, and so they matter to us, every race and every condition. I'm so glad that God's doing that in our church. And we are growing in grace. That's what we'll share about today. We receive and give grace. It's that giving part that's, a, that's absolutely important. It's so incredible. We can only give what we've been given. We are passionate about generosity. Giving is at the center of the gospel. Jesus gave his best, and we will give nothing less. Then we are committed to excellence. Pastor Robbie preached about that last week. Excellence honors God, and it attracts people to God. We are living by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We will act on audacious faith, believing the best is yet to come. Is there anybody here in 2020 that still believes that the best is yet to come? Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> and then the scripture, we share this, this core value. We are in this together. We were never meant to be alone. Community is essential to our walk with Jesus. That's why it's so important in this time right now, and we'll be talking more about that uh, next week uh, as, uh, as the ministers go on and share our pastoral team. But we want to we make sure that we're ministering to each other. We need each other. Even if you're not in church and you're watching online, you still need the body of Christ. 
And so it's important to plug in in every way that you can to stay connected. It's like my hand. If it's disconnected from the body, it'll grow. It, it has no purpose. It, has, it, it loses its usefulness. And it impacts the rest of my body. We all feel the loss. We, we all feel, even after these months, we feel the loss of those who are still watching online. We miss them. How many of you miss them? We miss them. We love them. Can we put our hands together and thank all of you who are online right now? I know you miss us. We miss you. Because we are meant to be in community. We belong together. So reach out to one another. Pick up the telephone. Call somebody. Reach out to those that you haven't seen in a while. And, 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 and pour out love upon them. Find out if they need anything. Express the love of God. Make sure that you touch base with them in some way because we are a community. And even when a pandemic or something like this comes along, even when it's over and everything, uh, uh, the immunization and all of that takes place, whether you take the shot or not, that's up to you. I'm just saying that even then, you're going to still need community. When everybody's back together, maybe this, if anything, this should have exposed to us our need for community. We need the community we live in and we need this local church. We need one another. Turn to someone beside you and say, I need you more than you know. It's so true. And so here in this, uh, in this Sunday, I'm going to take, I'm going to do my best to explain the unexplainable, to express the inexpressible. I want to talk to you about grace. Grace, it's, it's so much more. It's so much more than I can put into words than any minister of the gospel could ever put into words. The apostle Paul teaches us in our, in our text there that grace is more. It's, it's so much more, so much more than we could ever imagine or understand. Grace is more than salvation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that to you and show you that today. It's more than salvation. Grace is greater than all of our collective sin. Not just greater than my sin, all of my sin, but greater than all of our sin. Grace is greater than the combined sin and the weight of sin that's been upon every generation from the beginning of time, from Adam and Eve to this day, great grace is greater than that. You put all the mountains of sin together, grace goes beyond it. In the Old Testament, they tried to atone for sin. And so they would do it with the shedding of the blood of animals, and they would offer animal sacrifices for sin. Rivers of blood flowed throughout all the Old Testament, streams and rivers of blood, yet it was not enough to completely cover sin. Only the blood of Jesus, Jesus Christ, could cover our sin. And it does it once and for all and for everybody. Everybody sins. It doesn't matter who you are, how much sin you've committed, or I, all our sin together, grace is greater. Oh, I tell you, grace is so much greater. It's so much more than we can imagine. Billy Graham described grace in, in uh, three different ways, and I want to talk about those three ways today. He said, first of all, he said there's, there's saving grace, and then he talked about sustaining grace, and then he talked about shared grace. And I want to talk to you about those same three principles today. First, let's take a look together at saving grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace are you, have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can only give. Pastor Rob is included in our, in our core values. When it comes to grace, we're all growing in grace. And you can only give what you have received, what you've been given. So it's important for you to understand that 
grace itself is, is something that God has, has poured out upon us in salvation. But once that happens in our life, there is this stirring in us, this empowering by grace to share with someone else what has happened to us. And so what happens is, is for, uh, for all of us, for all of us, when you're first saved, there's this fervor, desire, genuine enthusiasm, excitement, gratitude to God for saving you that motivates you to tell somebody else about what Jesus has done in your life. It's a shame and it's a sad statistic in the church, but the truth is that for the first three years from your salvation, the first three years, you'll witness to and win more people to Christ than you will for the rest of your life. That's the average. And the reason is, is that we've come accustomed to what we've been given and somehow we stop sharing it. And so there needs to be a stirring in our heart. I don't know how long you've been saved today, but you need to allow God's grace to stir your heart once again so that you will not only have received saving grace, but you'll want to share saving grace with someone else. You share what you've been given. And so the, your heart should be stirring in you. That's why even in this summer, we broke records here at Calvary Church. Do you realize we've had, we have a new members class this afternoon at 4 o'clock? And I'm looking forward to that. But do you realize that we've had more people come to the Lord and baptize this summer than last summer in the pandemic? Because we, God is still saving souls. It doesn't matter. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. It doesn't matter what goes on in any country or economy around the world. Jesus is the same. And the blood of Jesus is the same. And the power of the cross is the same. And so he stirs us to remember the power of saving grace. And when you think about your salvation and saving grace, do you remember what it felt like? Uh, you, do you remember the undeserved feelings? When, when you gave your heart to the Lord, you were overwhelmed with the fact that you've got to be kidding. He's forgiven me. Is he sure? Is he aware of what I've done? Does he know I mean, I, I'm, I'm reminded my, my friend Chris Fortner is here, elder in the church for so long. I remember, Chris, lear, learning of your salvation testimony and how the Lord came to you and ministered to you and saved you even in, in college and how his, his heart and life reached out to you through an evangelist friend of both of ours. Isn't it amazing how God will find you right where you are? It might be on a college campus. It could be in a dormitory. It could be in your automobile, in your kitchen. In, at, in war, my father was saved in a foxhole, bleeding out in Korea. God will reach you where you are. God will touch you right where you are. God will hear your cry and save your soul. You may feel you don't deserve it, and the truth is you don't. But he still sent his son, hallelujah, for you. No matter what you've done or where you've been, that's because grace itself is undeserved favor. It simply means, what that means is, it's simple. It's that grace means God owes me nothing and I deserve nothing from him. But he gives it anyway. That's what grace is. It's undeserved favor of God. He doesn't owe it to me and, and I don't deserve it. And I can't do anything to earn it from him. It's all completely on God. So all the praise and all the glory and all the honor has to go to God for your salvation. Because grace itself simply means an undeserved favor of God. That's why John chapter 1 verse 17 tells us, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
It's the only way to be saved. There is no other way to heaven other than through Jesus Christ. Grace comes through Jesus and through Christ alone. We are saved solely because of the love of God through the cross of Jesus. Love was the motive for it, and the cross was the method. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5 tells us, By grace you are saved. It is the only way to salvation. You are saved by grace, and grace is greater than all my sin, all your sin, all sin combined. The moment you ask Jesus to forgive your sin and save you, he forgives your sin, forgets it too, gives you eternal life, and adopts you into the family of God. Somebody ought to be saying, thank you, Jesus. He makes you right with God the Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grace is greater. And also grace is sustaining. There's sustaining grace. It's an overcoming strength. I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, the Bible says, And he said to me, my grace, and God, God said to me, Paul said, I've, I've asked him in the previous verses 7 and 8, he, he describes a weakness as a thorn in the flesh. And he sought God, he said, three times to deliver him, and God didn't deliver him. Instead, verse 9 says, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, he's already experienced saving grace. He's already been saved. He's already received the undeserved favor of God. He's already been made right with God and adopted into the family of God, but he's battling with something in his flesh. Maybe some of you here in this room right now can identify with that. You're still battling something. There's still a warfare that's going on. And, and so you're crying out to God for deliverance, and, and he hasn't delivered you yet. And, and God's answer is, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, listen, as Paul said, gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities or my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, so if God's going to be strong in my weakness, I'll just brag about it. I'll just say, yeah, this is a problem. I've had this problem. I've, I got delivered from this problem. It's a besetting problem. It keeps uh, fighting against me. But I'm here to tell you right now that God's made himself strong in the areas of my weakness. And I'm still here. The devil wanted me dead. He thought I was buried. He keeps coming back and telling me I don't deserve it. But grace, 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 overwhelming, sustaining grace keeps coming into my life giving me victory and picking me up and carrying me on. Hallelujah. And I'm still here by the grace of God. Is there anybody who wants to lift your hand to heaven and say, I'm here by the grace of God? I love the way he described it. I, it's such a, such a tremendous word picture. It's like painting what we experience in the simple phrase, a thorn in the flesh. Think about a thorn in the flesh. I mean, it's, it pierces the skin, and it, it hides itself just below the surface of the skin. Every movement tells you it's there. You ever got a thorn or something like that in your foot or hand, and you, every, every time you hit it against you or, or you step on it, you, you feel it, you're reminded of its existence, that thorn is there. And so there's this constant, just under the flesh, reminder that, that it's still there. And, and for all of you, it's just below the surface, and, and, and you're reminded of it daily. For some of us, it's, it's, 
It's fears, unknown fears that just for some reason come in the middle of the night. Thorn in the flesh, fears that you battle. It, it could be a wayward child who's away from God. And it's like a thorn in your flesh. It's a constant worry, concern, burden, but God graces you in it. It could be a past prison record. It's a little thorn in the flesh, a reminder of who you are. Every time you fill out a job application, every time you, you make a move, every time you, you think about the next phase of your life, and I've got to tell this person, you, you meet someone and you're, you want to enter into a relationship with them, and you're, but they don't know about my, my past. And, and so you find yourself having to reveal what you've, you've been through or hide it. And so some choose to hide it, but grace says, don't, don't hide it. Just go ahead and understand he'll be strong in your weakness. It could be a di disease diagnosis that you've received, cancer or some deadly thing. Maybe, maybe COVID-19, you've, you've received that, uh, that diagnosis. It could be that thorn could be an addictive craving that comes to you in the middle of the day. And reminds you that even though God forgave you and cleansed you and saved you, here's that craving again like a thorn in the flesh. Right in the middle of your day, out of nowhere, there it is. And there's that reminder, that thorn in the flesh. But God promises us sustaining grace. And you say, Lord, I just wish you'd take the desire. Lord, I just wish you'd take the temptation. I just wish somehow I never felt this. Is there some way you could just remove this from my life? I don't even want to feel it. And so while you're crying out for that, and you say, I've besought God time and time again for that, but, but the battle still rages. And God says, but my grace is sufficient for you. I, I, how many of you realize sometimes we go through the fire, but he keeps us in the fire? Sometimes you go through the fear and through the storm and through the sickness and through the hospital and through the diagnosis, but God keeps you in the middle of the storm. That's sustaining grace. I don't believe he gets enough credit or glory or honor for the sustaining grace in our lives. You may think that it's your strength or your power or your ability. Maybe you're not giving God the glory that he deserves for having carried you through all of when you couldn't walk yourself, but grace picked you up and carried you through the storm and through the trial or through the sickness or through the divorce or through the loss or through the, the suffering. But that was sustaining grace. That was the great grace of God. Hallelujah. Grace is more. It's, it's so much more than simply saving grace. Think of it. It's more than that. It's overcoming power that sustains you in life's trials and losses and tests and temptations. In Philippians 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And watch this, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul actually suffered the loss of all things. But grace sustained him. Grace kept him. He lost his good name in the religious community. Lost his reputation. Even some of the disciples didn't trust him. He, he felt isolated. He felt alone. And on top of that, he's abused. He's hounded from city to city by Judaizers that want him dead. They stone him. They beat him. They chase him out of town. They disrupt every meeting that he's in. He's living life like that. He's, he's, he's hounded. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. He's been left as dead. 
I've, I've suffered the loss of all things. But he says, I just want to gain Christ. I count it all as rubbish. I think of the testimonies, and I don't have time for all of them, of great heroes of the faith to me in, in the past. Many of you may not have heard of George Mueller, but he was a, a, a great, great man of God. God used him in London, and he reached out to children and those lost and abused in the streets. And he, he lived by faith. Every year he prayed the income, the money in, to be able to take care of all of these that God had put under his care. Millions of dollars came in by faith in his life and in his ministry, trusting God every step of the way. And he tells the story of when his wife passed away, his beloved wife, the love of his life. And I just want to quote and share with you what he said. He wrote these words. He said, for 62 years and five months, I had my beloved wife. And now in my 92nd year, I am left alone. But I turn to the ever-present Jesus as I walk around my room and say, Lord Jesus, I am alone. Yet I am not alone, for you are with me and you are my friend. Now, Lord, please comfort me and give me, your poor servant, everything that you see I need. <laughs> That's grace. John Newton was an Anglican minister. and On the Sunday his wife Mary died, he preached. The next day he visited needy saints. Later in the week, he ministered his wife Mary's funeral. And you, and you say, how do you do something like that? Well, I, I can explain it to you simply. John Newton, you know him. You know him. He wrote a little song you remember. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's how you, that's how you overcome it's called sustaining grace. And then I think of modern day heroes. I have heroes in the faith right here in this church. <laughs> My wife, Teresa, when we had just started the church, we were pioneering. Her mother was only 52 years old, 52 years old when Bobby Joe passed away, Teresa's mom. And at her passing, she had to be there for everything to pull the family together. And even though she wasn't the eldest in the family, she pulled the family together. She took care of all of the details. She sang and played the piano for her mother's funeral. And she was there for everything. She, she dressed her. She fixed her hair and, and got her ready and everything uh, in, the, in the casket and, and got everything ready for her, got her everything. That's sustaining grace. Sustaining grace that takes a young girl who's lost her mother at a young age and walks through those times with that kind of strength. And so it makes Teresa a hero to me, a hero of grace. And there's other grace heroes that I know in this church. Anthony Baskett, who's been battling cancer off and on for several years. He may be here in this service. Deborah Dillard, battling cancer, faithful to the things of God, loves the Lord. Monty Lyons, who was... Healed of cancer himself, battling cancer. His, mother, his wife, Angie, just lost her mother with COVID yesterday. And Monty and Angie, as I was praying with them yesterday, I realized here he is comforting and strengthening his wife and himself, having just battled through and survived cancer himself. 
I'm talking about cancer in his DNA down to his bones, requiring bone marrow transplants and everything. And faithful to God and the things of God. I think of Karen Randolph. I think of Mark Trent. Right here in this church, we have heroes of grace. We have people who will stand to their feet and stay faithful to the things of God and love God in spite of incredible loss and difficulty. I'm telling you, that's not your strength. That's God's strength. That's the grace of God. Can we thank God for heroes of grace, for sustaining grace? And lastly, there's shared grace. I call it overflowing kindness. <laughs> you know, it's amazing to me that Matthew 10 and verse 8 says, and we're all aware of the first part of this verse, is, well, the verse itself, but it's usually only shared in different portions. Sometimes some will quote just the first half. Sometimes others will quote just the last half. Freely you have received, freely give. But when you put it all together, it's powerful. When you, when you share the whole verse in context, it says, look at this, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And you say, oh, pastor, I, I can't heal the sick. I, I could never cast out a demon. I, oh, oh, but yes, but see, the thing is, you can because you can give of what you've received. And so if some of you, the devil's been cast out of you, just go ahead and say amen. Go ahead and admit it. Some of you have been delivered and set free. You were full of so much of the world and the devil, and you know you've been set free. The moment you got saved, you didn't even recognize yourself. <laughs> and so what you've received, you can give. And so it's important to understand that you, you are a hero of grace. But you, you've been saved by grace. You've been sustained by grace so that you can share grace. And God has healed you and delivered you and set you free so that you can do that for someone else. Freely you have received, freely give. You see, you're growing in grace. That's the whole principle. You've received grace, and, and you give it as you receive it. First, it's saving grace. And, and then after some time you serve the Lord, you come to know and understand sustaining grace. And, and you find yourself sharing what he's given you. you. You find yourself comforting others with the same comfort wherewith you were comforted by God. And so as God sustains you and God keeps you and God sets you free and God delivers you, he's also empowering you to be able to share that with someone else. It's not just so that you can, you can thank him for it. It's so that you can thank him, move beyond it, and help somebody else. That's the power of grace is that it's to be shared. And yet there are so few who share what they've been given, who give freely of what they have been given. It takes a command of Jesus, freely you have received, freely give to remind us of what we've been freed from and what we have been given and how we're to share that with someone else. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, the scripture says, I love this, the apostle Paul again, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Is there anybody else in here that right now this moment can say, you know, everything I've, I have, everything I am, it's by the grace of God. I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it. Is there anybody here that can give him praise right now for your home, your family, your, your marriage, your children, your health, your life, your strength, your salvation? 
By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He calls it a vain grace when it's not a shared grace. He's saying, it, it, it wasn't given to me in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And, and so he says, I, I've been received so much, and, and I've been given so much, but it, and it wasn't in vain, because I began to labor for the Lord, not labor for salvation, not labor to receive a reward, not labor for things, not labor for money, not labor for material gain. No, I labored for the Lord. I labored to reach others. I labored to share, and I did it more than anyone, but not me. No, it wasn't me. He said, it was the grace of God even then. It was the grace of God that empowered me and enabled me to serve others. Isn't that powerful? And so everything on the inside of us should be reaching out to someone else to share what we have. In Luke 7, verse 36 to 50, I won't read the whole story, but you, you've read it. The woman with the, the precious alabaster box, the sinner woman, she, she comes in and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus. You remember, she ministers to him and pours out what was a year's wages in equivalence. And she poured it out upon his feet and then began to wash his feet with her tears and, and dry it with her hair. She was mocked by the Pharisees that were in the house. They thought lowly of less of Jesus because he had let her do that. And Jesus reminded them, he said, well, when I came into this house, you didn't wash my feet, Mr. Pharisee. You didn't welcome me like that. You've not shown none of this. You didn't weep over me. But this woman, since I came in, she hadn't stopped <laughs> ministering to me. And he said, so her sins, which are many, <laughs> are forgiven her. Wow. And then he says in verse 47, Luke 7, 47, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same Loves a little. Isn't it amazing that, that we can't give beyond what we've received? Sometimes people, they, they, they think, oh, you know, I haven't done that much. I wasn't as bad as old so-and-so. I didn't do what they did. And so I just needed a little blood of Jesus, just a little bit of cleansing. And if that's the way you feel, your love is limited. The grace of God flowing out of you is limited. But the bigger you acknowledge the grace of God in your life, the more grace you'll have to give to others. And some of us need more than anything in this life. We need more grace flowing out of us. We need to share more grace. We need to be more gracious with others. We need to be kinder with our words. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You can give what you've been given. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Here it is. Even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. Love like you've been loved. Forgive like you've been forgiven. You've been graced to give grace. Can we stand to our feet together? Grace. It's so much more. It's so much more. If you want to give grace, it begins by receiving God's grace. And Jesus is here today with grace greater 
than all your sins. I don't know where you're at in this walk of life. I, I really don't. Maybe you've been away from the Lord for some time. Maybe you've just recently started coming to church. Maybe even those that are listening online right now. There may be some in your living room. Right now you're thinking, I need that grace. I need to be forgiven and cleansed. I, I need that saving grace. I wonder right now if, if that's you in this room or you watching, if you'll just bow your head with me right now and pray this prayer. Will you pray out loud with me? Heavenly Father, I know you love me. I believe with all my heart you died for me. Pour out your grace upon me. Forgive me. Save me. Thank you for that, Jesus. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a great praise offering for that? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Grace, it's so much more. Maybe you're here this morning, and before we go, I, I've got to do this, if you'll let me. I just want to pray for everyone who, you're going through something right now. Yesterday was an unusual day. I, I had several calls through the day, pastors in other states, and, uh, people crying out for help, needing prayer, going through things. Even pastors that were, I don't understand why I'm so down, why I'm so discouraged. There's just waves of sadness coming over me. That's just even ministers calling me and asking yesterday for prayer. This is a time in which you can reach out. If that's you, if you're in a place like that, if you don't understand it, but you're battling something, even if, or you do know what it is, the loss of a loved one or something difficult, some battle you're in, you need sustaining grace. You need grace to just come in right now because, see, grace is so much more than salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's a sustaining grace. I wonder if right now we could just lift our hands and hearts to the Lord and let's pray together and pray this prayer out loud with me. Mighty God, touch my life. I'm going through this sorrow, this loss, sickness, I ask you, Lord, for healing, but even more, I ask for grace, grace to sustain me so that in this moment, I can share that grace with someone else. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for sustaining me in Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a praise offering for that right now? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. One final prayer. Let's ask God to help us share this. When we leave this room, I don't know where you're going from here. Maybe you're going to go get something to eat or something like that, or you're just going to hang out with some friends, or maybe you're headed to the house to get ready for uh, some football or something like that. But uh, would you, can we pray together and ask God to help us see somebody today? that we can share the grace of God with. I guarantee you that God puts in the path of every believer every day someone to minister to. We just often overlook it. We're not thinking about sharing grace. We're 
we looking for help too often rather than looking to give help. And so let's, let's pray that right now. Father, say it with me. Father, in Jesus' name, stir my heart, open my eyes to see the need all around me. Help me share your grace and your great love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We're so glad that you came today. And, and uh, thanks again for your help and keeping us open. Uh, we just appreciate that so much. Shake hands. God bless you. Come back. We'll see you soon.